Welcome to the C3 Church Watson Podcast. Our vision is to connect you to Jesus, develop you as a follower of Christ, and empower you to build the church. We hope you are blessed by this week's message. Great to see you all this morning. Really great to have you here. We're in a series at the moment that's called Yahweh, and it's all about God. You probably guessed that. A.W. Tozer said this, I said this two weeks ago when I preached, he said this, what comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. Absolutely agree with that. What comes into your mind when you think about God is the most important thing about you. It's only when we really know and understand who God is that we can really know and understand who we are. It's as simple as that. If you've got a wrong picture of God, if you have a a wrong perspective of God, it will affect your whole life. It'll affect affect how you act, how you think. It's very important. So far, we've looked at the names of God in Psalm 23. I think there were eight or nine of those that I looked at. Last week, Paul preached a brilliant message, a brilliant message on how big is your God. And you need to listen to that if you weren't here, or listen to it anyway. It's worth listening to again. So today, we are looking at the holiness of God. Holy, holy, holy. What is holiness? Well, God is holiness. Holiness is righteousness. It's goodness. It's purity. It's perfection. And God is all of those things. Aren't you glad that we worship and serve a God who is righteous? He is good, he is pure, and he is perfection. To be holy is to be distinct. It's to be separate. It's to be in a class of your own, and these are all the things that describe God. The primary meaning of holy is separate, and it means to cut or to separate, or to be a cut above the rest. The one who is holy has no rival and no competition. God is holy. He has no rivals and there is no competition when it comes to God. When the Bible calls God holy, it means that he is surpassing all others. And he is superior to all others. He is so far above and beyond us that we cannot get our human mind around him. It's not possible. Ephesians tells us that he isn't just above, but he is far above every name that is named in heaven and on earth. Far above. To be holy is to be other, to be different, to be special. Exodus 15 says this, who is like you among the gods, O Lord? Who is like you, majestic in holiness, awesome in praises, working wonders. That's our God. There's no one like him. He always was. He always will be. He's far above. He's like no other. He is majestic and he is awesome. He is holy. He is God. God. You know, people at times... You may be in this situation at times, I know I have been at times, they get angry at God and they like to point a finger at God and say, when I see God, 
I'm going to, do you know what? I have this sneaking suspicion that when we get into the presence of God, we're just all going to be flat on our face. Flat on our face. Unable to lift our head at his amazing glory. Every human being who is ever exposed to the holiness of God trembles in his presence. That's our God. When we talk about God, we, we often describe him using a list of qualities or a list of, of characteristics, and we like to call them his attributes. And we say that God is spirit, and that he knows everything, this is all true, that, that he is loving, that he is just, that he is merciful, that he is gracious, and so on. We might just like to add holy to that list of his attributes, as if God's holiness is just another one among many. We would be wrong to do that. When the word, word holy is applied to God, it's not just talking about one singular attribute of his, it's much more than that. The very essence, his very essence is holy. His very essence is superior. It is separate. It is a cut above the rest. Holy calls attention to all that God is. It reminds us that his love is holy love. His justice is holy justice. His mercy is holy mercy. His knowledge is holy knowledge. His spirit is holy spirit. Isaiah 6 verse 1 says this, In the year of King Uzziah's death, I saw the Lord sitting on the throne, lofty and exalted, with the train of his robe filling the temple, Seraphim stood above him, each having six wings with two. He covered his face because he didn't want to look. With two, he covered his feet, and with two, he flew. And one called out to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. Holy, 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 holy. Why holy, holy, holy? Some people say, some people say that's about the Trinity. Others say it's more than that. Is there anyone here today who loves using the exclamation mark when they write anything? Yes. Come on, admit it. You are exclamation mark people. No, is there anyone here today who overuses the exclamation mark when they, yes, yes. Is there anyone here today who gets really annoyed at the people that overuse the exclamation mark because it's not supposed to be that way? Yes, all you English, all you teachers and you English people, stop doing that, you think. Because we have a number of ways to communicate when writing that something we are writing is important. That we want to emphasize it. You get a text with caps, stop shouting at me. My daughter likes to send texts with caps. It's just the way that she communicates. Hello, Em, wow, good to see you, darling. Or the exclamation mark, or the bold, or the italics, or all of them, if you're really excited. We can get into it. Oh, dots as well, mate, we're going for it. 
You know what, in the Hebrew language, one of the ways they would make a point of something being important would be by repeating the word. Now, you look in John, the, the Gospel of John, Jesus talking, there are many, 20-something times I think he said, verily, verily. And he said verily, verily, because he was saying, guys, this is important. What I'm saying to you right now is important, so I'm going to repeat, and I'm gonna say it, verily, verily. Holy, holy, holy. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. He's not just holy. He is holy, holy, holy. That's who he is up there, a cut above us, superior to us in every way, without rival, without competition, is the God Almighty, the God of the universe. He is holy, holy, holy. That's the God who we serve. I'm going to read that scripture in Isaiah again. In the year of King Isaiah's death, I saw the Lord sitting on the throne, lofty and exalted, with the train of his robe filling the temple. Seraphim stood above him, each having six wings, with two he covered his faith, face, with two he covered his feet, and with two he flew. And one called out to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. In the year of King Uzziah's death, I saw the Lord seating on the throne. My question today to everyone in this room is who is sitting on the throne? Who is sitting on the throne of your life? Is it God? Is it God sitting on the throne of your life? See, King Uzziah started his reign as a good king. He was doing what was right in the eyes of the Lord. He was smart. He was innovative, he was successful, and he was famous. He was all of those amazing things, but unfortunately his success and his fame led him to become pretty happy with himself. Pretty, pretty much he became proud. And he got to the point where he thought he was above the law, above everyone else, able to do whatever he wanted. Success can do that to a person if we're not careful. Have you ever, ever experienced that? Someone gets some success, they just start getting a little bit too big for their boots and they're really painful to be around, right? Yeah? Yeah. Above the rules, above the law, above politeness, above niceness. So one, one day, King Uzziah was in the temple and he decided to burn some incense, which was actually not allowed. The priests were the only ones who were able to do it. And God will not be mocked. And as, as the king did this, as he burnt the incense, leprosy broke out on him and he lived the rest of his days as a leper. Not a happy story. He'd become over-familiar with God. He'd lost his understanding of holy, holy, holy is the Lord. Because God is not our mate. He's not. He is the almighty God of the universe, the only one who is worthy of our praise. In the year that King Uzziah died, it was, it was after the death of this unrighteous and proud king that Isaiah had his first vision of God. And I find it interesting that it wasn't until after the death 
of this unrighteous king that Isaiah had a vision. He hadn't had a vision before. And sometimes it's not until some things die or some things end or we cut some things off or we stop doing some things that we know we shouldn't be doing or we put some things in the right place that we can see clearly and see what God is saying to us and see where he's leading us. After this unrighteous king died, God showed up and Isaiah's response was this, pure humility. It says in verse four, and the foundations of the thresholds trembled at the voice of him who called out while the temple was filling with smoke. Then I said, woe is me for I am ruined because I am a man of unclean lips and I live among a people of unclean lips for my eyes have seen the king, the Lord of hosts. That was his response and that will be everyone's response. That should be every human being's response to a vision of God and his holiness is one of complete humility and reverence and surrender. Isaiah got it wrong. He was so, he thought he was entitled to do whatever he wanted. Anyone ever found entitlement within them? Anyone ever felt, well, I deserve that. Well, I should, I should have that. I found entitlement inside me. Well, I probably find it every second day, but, but a real moment where I was, I was uh, in a situation with a whole heap of other people and some things happened and some things were said and, and I just, whoa, entitlement. I'm like, God, why am I feeling so uncomfortable right now? What, 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 what's getting me right now? And it was like the Holy Spirit said to me, man, you're feeling entitled and that is not right. And so what I did was I walked up the mountain, Mount Ainsley, the place where we go to pray, and I said, God, I do not want this entitlement in me anymore. I am not on the throne of my life. You are on the throne of my life. I need you to get rid of this entitlement. Holy, holy, holy are you. Only you. There was another king in the Bible whose pride brought him down, and his name is King Nebuchadnezzar. Daniel 4, I, Nebuchadnezzar, was at ease in my house and flourishing in my palace. And I saw a dream, and it made me fearful. And these fantasies as I lay on my bed and the visions in my mind kept alarming me. Nebuchadnezzar had a, a, a dream. It was a God dream. And it was an alarming dream. I don't know if you've ever had a, a God dream, an alarming dream. I have. And, and he didn't know what to do with the dream. He brought his, his people, his magicians, his, his wise people, and he told them the dream, and he said, can you please, can you please tell me what it means? And they had no idea. And so he called Daniel, who had interpreted dreams for him before. And Daniel came in, and he listened to the dream, and Daniel's like, oh no, how do I tell the king? How do I tell him this dream is about him? It's about, it's about he, he's going in the wrong direction and he needs to humble himself before the almighty God. And if he doesn't, something's gonna happen and it's not gonna be good. I 
Daniel 4 verse 4 says, I, Nebuchadnezzar, was at ease in my house and flourishing. I've gone ahead a bit, person down the back. And flourishing in my palace. Nebuchadnezzar was happy, content, prosperous, prosperous and flourishing. He was at ease. And you know what? There is nothing wrong with that. God wants us to be happy, content, prosperous, flourishing and at ease. Except... He thought it was all his own doing. He thought it that, yeah, I'm pretty amazing actually. Look at Babylon. Wow, that's a great place. And look what I've done. Daniel says to Nebuchadnezzar, therefore, O king, may my advice be pleasing to you after he heard the dream. Break away now from your sins by doing righteousness, by doing what is right. From your, your iniquities by showing mercy to the poor. In case there may be a prolonging of your prosperity. He said, please, king, change. Humble yourself before God. Life is not all about you. Everyone needs God. Everyone bows their knee to God. Everyone bows their knee to holy, holy, holy God. And God saw that this king had decided that it was all because of him. And he said, no, no. And 12 months after Daniel interpreted the dream, you know, God gave him 12 months. The king was walking on the roof of the royal palace in Babylon and he hadn't taken Daniel's warning to heart. Daniel 4.29 says this, 12 months later he was walking on the roof and the king reflected good thing for a king to do. And he said, is this not Babylon? Royal residence. Is this not Babylon the Great, which I myself have built as a royal residence by the might of my power and for the glory of my majesty? I myself have built it for the might of my power and the glory of my majesty. Wow. This morning, I just want to remind us that whatever we build on this earth, it's not for the might of our power or for the glory of our majesty. No, no, no. It's for the might of his power and the glory of his majesty. Everything that we build on earth, it's for him. It's for God, the holy God. Matthew 5 says this, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Do you know what poor in spirit means? It means humble. Blessed are the humble, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are the humble. Chapter four of the book of Daniel, it gives us a lesson in humility, a lesson in the, 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 the greatness of God and humility before him. John 15, five says, for apart from me, you can do I can do nothing without God. I am living testament to the fact that, wow, without him, I'm nothing. I can hardly open my mouth and speak without him. And that's the true story. Daniel 4.31 says, while the word was in the king's mouth, when he was speaking about how great he was, a voice came from heaven saying, King, to you it has been declared, sovereignty has been removed from you. Nebuchadnezzar, I gave you time. 
I warned you, I told you, humble yourself before me, and you didn't. And so this dream was fulfilled, and Nebuchadnezzar became like a wild beast, that's what it says, and he became a vegetarian for seven years. Actually, it says he ate grass, but I was just throwing that in as, a, as just a little joke for the meat eaters in the room. <laughs> Feed the woman meat, I say. Anyway, sorry, I didn't want to offend anyone who's a vegetarian. Seriously, I love you. I think it's just being silly. But it happened. Nebuchadnezzar, seven years, became a wild beast and he ate grass. And then at the end, this, this is what he says. But at the end of that period, I, Nebuchadnezzar, raised my eyes towards heaven and my reason returned to me. And I blessed the most high and praised and honoured him who lives forever. For his, his dominion is an everlasting dominion. His kingdom endures from generation to generation. All of the inhabitants of earth are accounted as nothing, but he does according to his will in the host of heaven and among the inhabitants of earth. And no one can ward off his hand or say to him, what have you done? No one. No one can point the finger and say, what have you done? Because he's above all else. He is a cut above, he is superior. And my reason returned to me and I blessed the Most High and praised and honoured him who lives forever. If I can have the band come up, please. Job had a really tough time of it. And he had some friends who didn't really help him. If you read through Job, they weren't really that helpful to him while he was going through his tough time. But at the, end of the, at the end of that season in his life, in Job 42 verse five, it says this. Job was speaking with God. And it says this, he says, I have heard of you by the hearing of the ear, but now my eye sees you. Therefore I retract, I repent in dust and ashes. And you know, that is gonna be us in heaven when we see him, when we have a vision, a picture of God Almighty. It'll be holy, holy, holy God. You are supreme. You are amazing. You are the King, the Almighty God and no one and nothing compares with you. saw the Lord seated on the Thanks for listening. To find out more about our church, find us online at c3churchwatson.com.au. We hope to see you in church again this weekend.